Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman. No Jarrah Kimber with me today, but don't worry, he will be back in 24 hours' time following day one of the fifth Ashes Test at live from the Oval. Instead, today, ahead of that match, let's hear the pick of the cricket content from across the Talk Sport network that came over the last few days. A few days that brought about the end of Joe Root's Ashes dreams. A shared series, still a possibility, but that hasn't stopped some questioning his position as captain of the England team. Something Steve Harmison can't countenance, especially as he believes it would mean Ben Stokes being put centre stage one time too many. He's the only man to be leading him forward. You look through the group, I look at round and there's no other option. The only option you can possibly give the England captaincy to on how well he's performed in the Ashes, but England... Stokes? No, you, no huh? never ever give it to Stokes. No. I've seen what happened to Andrew Flintoff when they give it to Andrew Flintoff and that's not anything negative about Andrew. It was just, he had to, he, he was he was the man that took everything on. Do not, whatever anybody does, do not give the captaincy to Ben Stokes because mm. of what he has done, what he's got on his plate every time he goes out to bowl, mm. every time he goes out to bat. He is our talisman league figure. The last thing history tells you, both of them didn't last too long. Yeah. Flintoff had too much on his plate with a poor side. And I think the last thing Stokes needs, and last thing England cricket team needs, is Stokes as captain. The only one that you could go from a senior point of view who has performed well in this series is look at Broad. But And he's been England captain before, but the last, I don't want Broadie to be captain. I don't think he needs the captaincy at this minute in time. Pretty conclusive there. So success for Australia, but Captain Tim Payne isn't going to be satisfied with two all. He came here with one objective. We came here to win the Ashes, not just to retain them. So, um, you know, we've spoken about it a lot as a group that... Um, last week's result was, was brilliant and we played very well but um, we're, all the guys are fully aware that um, that this test match is, is bigger than that one. This is our grand final. We want this test just as much as any other test that we've played in this series. Um, it's gone as we would have liked. Um, yeah, I've said all along, I thought we've played some very good cricket 
um, from the get-go. It's, it was always going to be a tough series with, with lots of ebbs and flows, but on the whole, yeah, we've been really pleased with the way we've, we've played our cricket and the results we've got. As I said, we, we would like to be 3-1 up already, but yes, yeah, as, as we've touched on, we made a few errors in, in heading lane that last hour, but um, we've moved on from it and obviously ecstatic to be here at 2-1 and what we felt as a playing group from the support we've got from back home and the interest that it's creating in Australia um, would probably suggest to me that it does. It's me, it means a lot to, to Australians to win the Ashes. Obviously, we're playing against England and, um, you know, we we love to beat each other. There's no doubt about that. The, the com- competition between the two countries in any sport is always goes up a, up a level and there's always a bit at stake when the two countries play each other. So, um, again, I think from an Australian cricket Ter's perspective that the Ashes is is as big as it gets, and certainly to be able to come here and do it makes it um, it's even harder. And um, obviously, when you can do that, it makes it even better. Someone who does know what it's like to captain a side to Ashes victory is Alistair Cook, and with the release of his biography, he was a guest on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast Show with Laura Woods and Ian Holloway, and he began by answering the same question I asked of him when I was introduced to him in the West Indies: Does he answer to Sir? In fact, should we call him Sir? Let's find out. Nah, you don't have to bother with that. What would you, what would you like us to refer to you as? Well, most people, even my wife calls me Cookie, so you might as well call yeah, Even your wife calls you Cookie? Calls me cookie. Although Not Essex, Sir Cookie. No, my, the, the Essex youngsters have started calling me Sack. <laughs> sack of something, as you can imagine. So, I imagine yeah. you don't like that one. <laughs> um, we're going to get onto your book in just a second. Um, first of all, I mean, you discuss receiving a knighthood from the Queen earlier this year. How surreal was, was that moment? Honestly, it's it's the weirdest thing ever. It's still weird with the fact that we had that conversation we just had <laughs> about whether you want to be called Sir or not. Um, I actually found out by a text message. I was at a, which is the most extraordinary thing ever. So obviously at the time there was a bit of talk about it. So you start looking at the post about six weeks before because you're thinking that something <sighs> might come through, and then nothing did. So you think, oh, well, that's you know that's that's just life. And obviously you're not thinking you're ever going to get one. And then mm. about, uh, about four weeks before, I was at a, like a late lunch kind of party thing, and I got a text from my agent. I don't never had my phone out mm. ever uh, on like anything like this. I'm not very good on my phone, and it just came up saying you need to check your emails asap. Mm-hmm. Dot dot dot. I'm not calling you sir. And obviously, like, oh, obviously you saw it. Was like, oh, yeah, exactly. Man. And obviously, there's a room of like 30, 40 people. And like, the, obviously, the big thing is confidentiality and that on that thing. <laughs> so I was like, couldn't so show any emotion. <laughs> well, I then had to wait like an hour to get out of the dinner, and then obviously rang my wife to tell her she's going to be a lady, which oh. is a bit strange. You forget that though, don't you? Yeah. The, the 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 effect it has on your wife and your family as well. It's a huge huge honour. I was looking at your career highlights. There's just far too many for me to read out here. It's just absolutely incredible. Dating all the way back to. 2006, um, all the way up to September 2018. I mean, like, when you look back on your career, all these amazing moments and all these records that you've surpassed, what is the, it's a really difficult question, I know, but what's the, the one thing that will always stand out for you? Uh, I think winning in Australia in 2010-11 and playing and scoring those runs there, because the, the, the lead up to that, I was rubbish for that, that summer and I only just got on that tour because I scored a late 100 against Pakistan so amazing how quickly life changed from four mm. months before that to thinking I'm not going to play to then become man of the series that was like on a on a purely cricket thing but you know I, I handed out Jason Roy's cap um, at Laws in the island and I said this cap gives you memories creates memories and experience and no other cap mm. can, can give you and that is so true over those 12 years I, you know, I won some well, we won some amazing games of crickets we lost you know some 
terrible games of cricket. We lost 5 0 mm. twice in Australia. So you had, it gives you everything like yeah. the incredible highs, the terrible lows, and, and a little bit in between. But sharing a dressing room with J- Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Joe Root, Matt Pryor, you know, Harmy for the beginning of it, <laughs> stuff like that, which I'll never ever forget. Was, um, it, was it almost, I mean, therapeutic going through all these memories and, and, and writing this book? It proved to me I had a terrible memory. Like it proved <laughs> that I, I knew, yeah, I knew that what I knew that I'd done or that I was involved in this, this, this. But trying to put it actually in order, I said this happened, and then the, uh, Mike, who was helping me with the right, said, "Well, it did happen, but you're only a year out." And yeah. I was like, "Everything." No, was that's like, right. Or that I said it happened at the Oval. No, it actually happened in in, in Bangladesh. I was like, "Oh," <laughs> so like that was the bit which it proved. But it is, yeah, yeah it was a. Uh, really interesting experience because how did you manage that over over in australia because they're they're pretty anti yeah no they're very unwelcoming to say the least you know and to suddenly find the form that you did how, how did you manage that what did you draw upon well i actually that was the well, actually in the book uh, that I, I really used a psychologist for the first time right like properly like so he came on the tour before to south africa and i said to him you know, I, I struggle with confidence. You know, everyone thought I was a mentally tough player, but actually with my batting, I struggle with the confidence. I didn't really believe that I belonged there. And mm-hmm. I said, don't give me some cliched stuff you read in a book, like go away and find something for me, which will work. And he actually didn't speak to me for 12 months. I thought, oh my God, what have I done? And then he came to me with this mm-hmm. one thing and he explained, uh, uh, there's a stuff about the gimp in there, which obviously is a bit different to mm-hmm. what not, could be another gimp, but I call him the gimp. And I explained what he used to try and, I used to try and battle with him. And once yeah. I learned how well, to- the gimp in your own mind. Yeah. And once yeah. I learned not how to battle him, how to deal with him and accept yeah. him, it made such a big difference. For me. Is that right. a similar thing to the chimp? Because yeah. there's the, the chimp complex or something like that, yeah, isn't there? Where you almost like the devil on your shoulder, right? Very similar to that. But yeah. I thought the chimp was a far too nice name for this bloke. So, because, yeah. so I called him again because he, he always like, the, pops up. At not the one off a Pulp Fiction, no. not in the box. It's <laughs> nothing to do with his extracurricular activities, no. right? Brilliant. But it's, um, so yeah, it's look, I, that that period there when we won, that was the, the greatest tour we'll ever go on. And then obviously three years later, we had the worst tour we'd ever go on when mm. we lost you know, five nil under as a captain. So mm. um, yeah. You've released your book, or at least you're you're going around and, and doing the promotion in a week where Michael Owen has also done the same, right? Uh, he's hammered a few of his teammates, managers, uh, lots of different people in his life. He's not sort of shy to um, to throw a, th- a few grenades out there. Um, did you ever consider? I mean, you seem like a very pleasant man, anyway. Did you ever consider when you were in this book? I mean, how truthful do I get? Do, do I want to go and... Because and, and, I imagine there's some things that you want to hold back as well. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, the, the idea of the book wasn't just to mudsling ever. Mm-hmm. That was, that's never been my style uh, as a captain or as a, as a bloke, but it was trying to give my side on certain issues. Obviously, yeah. running through my career as a, as a captain was the KP affair, which is obviously mm-hmm. has to be documented in there. But I was lucky enough that, you know, the editor of the book didn't want, didn't, didn't want me just to, you know, just slag him off because actually that wasn't entirely true like the, st- the stuff in there was actually just my side of the story on it this is what I thought about issue and obviously I was involved in dealing with the chief execs of the you know, the chairman of the ECB at the time all that kind of stuff and it was just a, I was just obviously with the KP stuff there was a very uh, big social media side on his side and we never ever kind of said what well, like the difference is and yeah. being involved in a conversation whether you're going to want a guy to carry on playing for England and you're involved in that decision knowing that the impact that would have on him, a bloke you know for 10 years, that's what I was, I was trying to explain that side rather than just going around saying this happened, this happened because actually that's not what I'm like and I don't think people actually want to read yeah. that, they just want to read 
a, a book which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I've got some suggestions. You know how you get quotes for books and things okay. like that? And it's not necessarily um, reviews of your book yet. Um, it's more reviews of you as a character that I've heard this morning. I've just been noting them down from people that you know. Most of them are from Steve Harmison. Whiter than white. Ian Holloway, Purcell. Uh, this is another yeah, one from Harmony. Yeah, you're Purcell clear, mate. A catalogue model. Mm. This is my favourite one. He doesn't sweat. Yeah, I, Apparently I don't, you don't sweat ever. Are you going to make the book? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, it does make the book. Because actually, I was in charge of the shining the ball. And if you don't sweat, like you don't, especially when you're reverse swinging in, like in the subcontinent, if you get the rough side wet with your hands, uh, it stops it doing it. So I, they used to throw me the ball all the time because I had really dry hands. So Amazing. That was a, right, really that. useful, yeah. You learn but, something new every day. Yeah. I was actually at that press conference, Australia, I think, when he said he didn't sweat. And there were a few raised eyebrows at the time. And I think still now, bit of a strange one. Anyway, the phone lines were then opened and a very familiar voice rang in. Uh, morning, Sir Alistair. Oh, Harmy. <laughs> I reckon that, that voice at any time. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm oh. looking forward to reading this book. Can, can, can you read? Uh, that was, I was, I'm hoping it's got pictures in it. Has. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. <laughs> I hope it's not like Michael Owen nailing one of his best friends because I might be looking at looking for a shield in bullets. But I was going to say, I was going to say, you you uh, you did not too bad for somebody who only got picked in the team to shine the ball for 161 I test know. matches. I know that was. Twelve and a half thousand runs, but Matt, what was um, when you, you know, on, a, on a serious note? What because I obviously I know you well. Um, from a personal point of view, what gives you more pleasure? You know, making memories for yourself or the people and playing with the teammates, uh, or the personal accolades that you did, England captain. You know, the the Sir Alistair title, which is great, and and uh, in, in the in the series you won. Look, as, as I just said earlier, the memories I've had will all be about the shared experience with people. You know, like like yourself. I remember. So just going back to Harmy, um, I I came on tour to Pakistan. It was the first time I I kind of met these guys in 2005, just after 2005 Ashes, where it was obviously, you know, Bedlam and England won the Ashes, and I got called up to that next tour as a replacement. Obviously, I, I'd only seen these guys on TV. You know, Harmy, uh, Andrew Flintoff. Kevin Peters on these guys like they were superstars and there I was flying Pakistan Airways on my own thinking what am I going to get myself into and luckily my room was just happened to be next door to Harmony and Fred who they had to hold hands they had to, had to share the shared beds they had internet in rooms and anyway it turned out to be called the Harmson Arms because he didn't take any pads with him on tour he just basically had his kit full of full of sweets chocolates and a dartboard and just so wow. and and I was like and his door's always open, so as a nervous 21-year-old not knowing these guys, and Harmy literally knocked on the door as soon as I landed and said, Look, come here and have a, say hello. And I basically never left that room with Harmy oh. while he played, cause we, and he introduced me to darts. So that's, really? kind of, that's kind of the experience like I had of, of playing for England, the cap gives you, and that's, I was so lucky. So someone like Harmy will always, to me, that knock on the door, I was like, oh my God, Steve Harmison, come this way, son. And that was it, really. That's not the first person I've heard that uh, say things like that about you, Harmy. Yeah, well, yeah. Look, I knew I knew greatness at the time. I seen oh. he's a great looking <laughs> he lad, wasn't he? Yeah, well, stick he, to him. He hadn't seen yeah. me back. <laughs> so, from Sir Alistair Cook to his best mate in cricket, maybe a sir in future, Jimmy Anderson, the record-breaking wicket-taking paceman, spoke with Talk Sports' David Spencer. It's been incredibly difficult um, and really frustrating for me because it's uh, you know the start of the summer with Lancashire, I, I felt in really good form, uh, bowling as well as I, I have done. 
uh, for a long time and uh, just uh, just annoying really that the, the, the injury came when it did uh, and I've not quite been able to get over that uh, in time to, to play a part in this series uh, but that's just the, the nature of sport and it, I think these things happen uh, and now for me it's about trying to uh, refocus and, and get fit again for for uh, hopefully playing a part in the winter tours. I'm going to say the plan is to be in New Zealand then South Africa? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the plan is to try and get fit and get the calf um, strong again. Um, that's the that's the main objective. Uh, whenever I'm fit, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I think the you know the, the, one of the problems this summer is it, when I did it, it was always kind of a there's always a, a, a time uh, restriction. You know, you, or you time pressure. Uh, you've got to try and get fit in, in a certain amount of time to, to be ready for the series and probably uh, at my age as well you need that little bit extra time to get to, to repair these injuries. Um, so I think that now it's, it's about giving it enough time to, uh, to, to repair and get strong again. So whether that's in time for New Zealand then great, if it's not then uh, South Africa. Big thanks to Specsavers for that interview. That brings us to the end of the show. Back tomorrow and back to normal as well after day one of the fifth Ashes test at the Oval. Myself and Jared Kimber fresh from my appearance at his barbecue yesterday. Some good corn, nice asparagus and even better sausages. And for more, slightly burnt on the outside, raw in the middle cricket chat. Join us then. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.